Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Thank you for joining me on the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I appreciate you taking some time today to hear a little bit about our thoughts on the market and the economy. This should be an interesting week because we had some good data for the first time in a while, and I'm excited to talk with you about it. But before we do, I just want to do what I do every week and remind you that what you are about to hear today should not be construed as individual investment advice. I'd encourage you, if you have questions about this or if you're thinking that this might influence the decision you're making in your investment portfolio, I'd encourage you to talk to your financial planner about that information or if you don't have one and would like to talk to us, we'd be happy to have that conversation with you as well. With that, let's go ahead and get started this week. Because the last several months on this podcast, we have spent a lot of time talking about inflation. And I think that this most recent run on inflation has really been a masterclass in the difference between public perception and economic policy. I've harped on it for months here. And at times I felt like I'm screaming into the abyss a little bit. There's the old saying that a stuck watch is only right twice a day. And I was starting to feel like that stuck watch because we were seeing a lot of underlying data that we thought was quite positive on inflation. But that certainly wasn't yet being reflected in the monthly reports. And it certainly wasn't being reflected in the decisions of policymakers or the reactions of the market. But last week, finally, we got a very positive inflation report. And it seems like the world is starting to get on board a little bit. But much like it was important not to get too down during the run up in inflation, I would also caution you that now is not a time to get too excited. We have to be careful and patient during this time. Things are never as good nor never as bad as we all might want to believe that they are. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to break down the inflation report and help you understand it and see what it might mean for coming months. So let's start by talking about the big picture because on its face, Wednesday's report was both very positive and I would also say largely unexpected. Those of you who are readers of the Weekly Insight Memo will recall a a chart that I put in there a couple of times over the course of the last month or so. And it was a chart that talked about economists' expectations for what was going to happen with inflation over the coming months. This was after the June inflation report, which you will recall was a pretty nasty report. That's when we saw inflation spike up to 9.1%. And what the chart showed, and I've posted it in this week's memo as well so you can see it, but what the chart showed was another pretty substantial month-over-month increase in inflation for July followed by the next six months, call it, where inflation remained very, very low on a month-over-month basis, anywhere from 0.1 to 0.2%, with an average of probably about 0.1% over that time period. And so that was certainly something everyone was really hoping to get to that time period. But what was interesting was that while the expectation for July in that study was 1.2% month over month, the actual result for July was 0% growth month over month. The cratering that economists were expecting to see in August happened a month early. It started in July. And then when you take that data and you add in the fact that the year-over-year number for CPI dropped from 9.1 to 8.5%, the month-over-month core CPI data dropped from 0.7 to 0.3, which was much lower than its expectation as well, 
It was just a very, very good inflation report, but it was also one that happened, I think, a month earlier than pretty much any analyst was expecting. But there's another measure of inflation that I have not really talked about. I don't think I've ever mentioned on this podcast before. CPI stands for the Consumer Price Index, but there's also something called PPI. PPI is the Producer's Price Index. That measures the cost of inputs for the sellers and manufacturers of goods. Well, the PPI data came out on Friday. Now, everybody gets amped up about the CPI data. Nobody talks much about the PPI data when it happens. But I would argue that the PPI data that came out on Friday was actually even better than the CPI data. The month-over-month PPI number actually came in negative. It came in at minus 0.5%, which was a significant drop from the 1% growth we saw in PPI in June. And what's important here, and this is really important to understand, is that PPI is a leading indicator of CPI, meaning whatever happens with the producers will eventually trail down into the consumer's wallet which I think makes sense, right? If, if a manufacturer of a good sees his prices go up, he's going to raise his prices and pass that price increase along to the consumer. So that, in my mind, is a very hopeful sign to say that what we saw here with the CPI data in July is not just a one-month blip, but is probably something that will continue down the road, even though it happened a month earlier than economists were expecting. The other thing here I think is very important to dive into. I did a podcast and a memo back in June talking about the impact of energy prices on inflation. And the question I was asking at that time was whether or not the energy prices that were falling were falling rapidly enough to impact the June inflation data. Frankly, I probably was a bit too overly optimistic, if you will, about what was going to happen with the energy data as it related to CPI. Because we did see, I believe, if I'm recalling the podcast correctly, I think it was June 6th when we noted that energy prices peaked. And we were hopeful that they would fall enough in the month of June to be reflected in the June data. Just didn't happen. But what we can see from the data that was released for July is that the falling of energy prices did hit the inflation data in July. So while energy prices are still inflated year over year, no question about that, we saw energy prices drop nearly 8% month over month in the inflation data that was released here in July. But what's most notable to me about that is that there's a very little bit of the overall drop in gas prices that's being reflected in the July CPI data. Per the Department of Labor CPI report, they're showing a 7.7% drop in gasoline prices and a 7.6% drop in energy commodities overall in the month of July. Well, part of that comes from averaging, right? If you think about it, when they're looking at the money that people are spending on energy, they're looking at it over the course of the entire month, and prices were higher at the beginning of July and lower at the end of July, and so there's an averaging that happens there. And also there's a weighting that happens there because most of the travel miles, I would argue, in July probably happened around the 4th of July when everybody was taking family road trips. And so I can understand why they're showing that 7.7%. But what we know today, as of August 14th, the average price of a gallon of gas in the United States was $3.96. That is a 14% drop from what we saw 30 days prior to that number. And it's a 21% drop from the peak that we saw earlier in June. 
So gas prices will probably rise as we head into Labor Day holiday. That is traditional. That happens every year as people are getting in their cars and going out on one last family vacation for the summer. But I think the good news from that is that while we did see a significant drop in inflation this month, I don't think that all of the drop in energy prices is baked in. There's more to be retrieved from that. So it's another good leading indicator, in my opinion, that what we saw in the July report isn't the end. There should still be good news going forward. So how did the market react to this? I don't think it's going to surprise anyone that the market reacted very favorably to the inflation data. All three major indices, the NASDAQ, the Dow, and the S&P 500, We're up roughly 3% for the week. And bluntly, this is what the market has been waiting for. So now we're entering a period that I would argue is unlike one we've seen this year. This podcast I started in January. I don't think I've had the opportunity since we started this podcast to have a conversation like the one I'm about to have because... There isn't anything panic-inducing on the short-term horizon. We aren't going to get any new inflation data for about a month, and everything that I've told you so far in this conversation would lead us to believe that what we saw in July is the start of a trend. I hope that's true, but we're not going to see any more information on that for another 30 days. The Fed doesn't meet until the end of September, so we're 45 days away from having a conversation about interest rates. We'll see whether or not they're going to be more bearish after this inflation report. Hard to say at this point, and I think anyone who does tell you they know what they're going to do is just speculating. But No real news on the Fed front for the next several weeks. Earnings season is almost complete. Of the S&P 500, 87% of companies have already reported their earnings. And the data out of that earnings is actually very solid. We've seen earnings growth of 6.7% for the quarter. And on top of that, Congress is now finally on vacation. We get him the heck out of town. So there's just very little of the big systemic issues that we would be focused on that are going to impact this market over the next four to six weeks. Now, that's no excuse to get lazy. We know that there are other things that can happen. We talked a great deal last week about what's going on with China and Taiwan. Those types of international issues are going to have to be recognized. Certainly, I do think that there is some domestic unease right now, and I don't even want to get into this issue, but everything around the raid of Mar-a-Lago and the frustration we're seeing on both sides of the aisle there, whether or not that spawns something that we wouldn't like to see uh, remains to be seen, but I think we have to pay attention to it. So there's always something on the horizon. But when we look at the big core questions about the health of the economy, about the health of the markets, there's just not a lot on the horizon that is going to cause problems for portfolios. And so I do think this presents an interesting opportunity for us to take a breath, reset portfolios, rethink about where we want to be as we dive into what will certainly be a very exciting fall that's going to be highlighted by the midterm elections, three Fed meetings. There's going to be a lot to do. once we get to the end of September. But we've got an interesting break here, and I hope you all enjoy it and take a little bit of time to do so. So with that, we'll leave it there this week. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. As always, if you have any questions or would like to see any of the data uh, that we're discussing here today, I'd encourage you to go to our website at www.insightwealthgroup.com. And additionally, please don't hesitate to give us a call at the office at 515-273-1333. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks so much. Take care. 
Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.